John is, like I said, a first person witness. This is absolutism. What John is about to tell us is absolutely true and clear. He witnessed it firsthand. He was not told this by someone. He was told this by God Himself. Do you understand? How many people in this little church right here believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? You believe that He is the second person of the Holy Trinity. This is God. And how God relayed this information to John. This is what makes this the Word of God is because God spoke it and these men recorded and wrote down what He spoke. And that's why this Word, when you read it, has the ability to change your life. It has the ability to save you. It has the ability to deliver you. It has the ability to set you free. It has the ability to bring new life into your soul. It has the ability to do all these things because it is the Word of God. It is God's Word who was manifested in the person of Jesus Christ. So you have got to understand this as we move along. Now, I'm going to go back through this and we're going to take a deep look at this. And we're going to get going because I just feel like the Spirit's moving me this way. And he said, that which was from the beginning, pointing to his divinity... Not to the beginning of the gospel, but to the very beginning of time. Why do I know this? Jesus himself said this. John was probably witness to this and heard him say, he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He said, I am. When Abraham was, he goes, I was before Abraham. I am. He knew that Jesus was from the beginning. That he was the Father incarnate. He was the Holy Spirit. He was, or he was the Son of the living God incarnate on this world. Walking amongst people. Man, I don't know, but that is such a blessing to have been born at a time and in a moment when the Son of the living God was going to walk amongst you and have fellowship with you and actually call you into the ministry that he has set aside for you to bring men to Himself. John was one of those. This was not only just an apostle, but this is the apostle that Jesus loved. Now, He loved all of His apostles, but John held a special relationship with Jesus. They were extremely close. John was the one who, who just, who was, whose heart was for Christ from the very beginning. He was a very uh, hard person at first, but the gospel had turned his life around so much that he was the one who constantly leaned up on Jesus and Jesus held him in very high regard. So there is so much that Jesus did and there is so much that Jesus said that the scripture says that there are not enough books in the world to contain all that he did and all that he said. Okay, the world couldn't contain it all. Imagine if you for three years, everything you said and did was written down. How many books would it take to accomplish your life in three short years? A lot. If, if every word you were saying was recorded, why, there would be books forever. But what was recorded was what we needed. But there's a lot of stuff that John knew that we didn't know. 
And so knowing that, that even brings more, um, what should I say, more of a, of a witness to me of the, of the truth of his word. Because John was exposed to so much more than even we know. He's seen more things take place. He heard more things said. He witnessed all of his life during the three years of his ministry. He witnessed it. So many things. So John, you can tell by what he said so far, what I've read to you, is he's fully convinced. He says, which we have heard, we've listened to his words. Everything that he mentions here has a power to it. He heard him. We've seen Him, we've looked at Him, and we've touched Him. Jesus, who the, the, the lady who had an issue of blood touched Him, touched the hem of His garment, and power and virtue flowed from Him and healed this woman. To look upon Him was to look at God. To hear Him was to hear the voice of God. One would be changed by His touched, touch. One would be changed by His Word. By His spoken Word, people were raised from the grave. By touching Him, by touching people, the lepers were healed. So there was power in everything that John witnessed about Jesus. Jesus was a walking, holy power plant of enormous size, eternity, and eternal in nature. He watched Him. I mean, so many things did He, did he witness. He watched him feed thousands of people. Watched him do this. How much would this change your life? And how much more of a witness would you be to Jesus Christ if you lived with him and saw him do these things? If you saw him feed up to 10 to 15,000 people, because we were only, the scripture only mentions just a a proportion of, of of the group that was there. But when he takes these fishes and this little bit of bread and he feeds enough people to maybe, maybe be three times as big as Dragon Stadium, would that change your heart? Would that change your belief? Would that increase your faith? Or perhaps when you knew that someone was dead and in the grave and he called them forth and out of the grave come a dead man, would that change your life? Or maybe you've seen lepers that you knew were lepers and they were full of sores and pus and and they were outcasts and at a spoken word they were clean. Would that change your life? Would that change you? Or maybe a paralytic who was laying there who you knew was paralyzed from his very birth, who you knew you had never seen walk and people carried him everywhere he went and and with a spoken word you watched the the crippled bones straighten out and you watched a man stand up and carry his bed that had been carried on for all of his life off. Would that change your mind? All of these things John witnessed and more than we could ever know. More than we could ever know. Perhaps maybe it was just man walking on water. If you was to be out in a boat somewhere and someone come walking across the lake and, and, and walk right into your boat, would that convince you? Or maybe if you were one of the 500 witnesses that watched him ascend into heaven, hop on a cloud and go into heaven, would that change your mind? What would that do for you? 
I bet you every person in this room, if you was witness to half of the things that John had seen, you would throw everything else in your life away and you would do nothing but live for Jesus just like he did. Because you would understand, man, I've been exposed to something that is supernatural, that is eternal, that is important, that God himself has sanctioned for me to be a part of. You are of that group. You are of that group. And he is just as powerful today as he was back then. It's just we don't call on him like that. We don't express the faith that they did because we are so distracted in life. And we know that this was going to happen because the scripture tells us that it would. That it would get so bad that every era of time that passed, people would fall away more and more and more and more from Jesus Christ. Now the biggest ministry in the church isn't reaching the lost, it's keeping the saved. And talking to some of my pastor friends, just look around you. What the biggest thing is today is to not only we should be we should be reaching the lost. That should be our 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 mission, our project, everything that we should do. It should be to reach the lost. There should be church stuff going on where we're constantly reaching out to get souls saved. That's what we should be doing. But I spend 90 percent of my time as a pastor trying to keep people coming to church and I shouldn't have to do that. But the scripture says that that would happen, that the ministry would change. No more are we interested in reaching the lost. We have to worry about keeping people coming to church. Then that should be an automatic once you get saved. Once you get born again and Jesus Christ comes into your heart, there should be no need for me to go, hey, are you going to come to church this weekend? Shouldn't have to do that. But all across the board, in all the churches, it is this way. It is this way. Now listen to this. He says here, the life was manifested, he said in verse 2, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. We have witnessed eternal life in this man. We've witnessed it, he says here. As we go along, I want to take a look at this some more because there's some very important stuff coming up here. He said, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. The apostles was calling out to this group of people saying, listen, you're being taught falsely. You can have full joy in believing and knowing that Jesus Christ is alive today, that his Holy Spirit is working in you today. I'm declaring to you that you're you don't have the joy of salvation because you don't have fellowship with him the way that you should have. This is what he's saying, that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. So to have fellowship with us not only means just the apostles, but with Jesus and God, the father. 
What they were doing is they were they were proclaiming Christianity without walking in Christianity. That's what they were doing right here. Light reveals darkness. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. But what was happening is, is, is something that goes on in every church. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we, do, we lie and don't live by the truth. Christians, sometimes we get lost in this spirituality and proclaim to have Jesus in our heart, but yet we engage in disobedience. So he was trying to get a point across to these people. You can't say you have fellowship with him because in God there is no darkness at all. You can't claim to have fellowship like that if you also engage in sin and evil intentionally. So he's addressing two things here. Intentional evil and people who have sinned, but Jesus will forgive you of the sin. That way you can get back to having fellowship with God. Listen to what he says here. This is the message. And well, he goes on to say, and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. You can increase the joy of the Lord in your heart by understanding this very principle. As a Christian, you have got to deal with sin every day. Or you will lose your joy that you have in the Lord. Now that's a very harsh thing to lose because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is strength in having fellowship with Jesus Christ and the joy of knowing it. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. Here it is, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So he's telling them, listen, if you're claiming to have fellowship with God, you have to not practice dark deeds. You can't have fellowship with God and also have fellowship with Satan. So he goes on to explain it in a very loving way, John does. If you're not careful and you read through 1 John, you'll just, you get all these, it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like you can't understand what he's saying because it's hidden in almost like a poetic manner. But if you understand what he's trying to address, then you start understanding what he's talking about. So he goes on to say this. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You may speak the truth, but you don't practice the truth. You're a liar. And the truth isn't in you. And what he's saying is this. This isn't you and I who love the Lord and, and we try to do the very best that we can do and every day we fall short. That's, that's not what he's saying right here. If we say we have fellowship with him, if you call yourself a Christian, 
but yet you walk in darkness. What does that mean to walk in darkness? You're either walking with God or you're walking with the devil. If you claim to have fellowship with God and your next move move after you leave here is to go get drunk or go and rob a bank, guess what? You don't have true fellowship with Him now, do you? No. If the next thing you're going to do is go smoke some crack tonight, but yet you're in church this morning proclaiming yourself to be a Christian, guess what you're not? You're not practicing the truth that you proclaim exists in your heart. This is a very bad thing because people around you who know you, you can ruin very easily, ruin your witness and the power of Jesus Christ in your life because people will no longer believe you when they see you practicing evil intentionally. So John says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, him being Jesus, but yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What's this telling me? It tells me that there has to be an intentional walk in my life that I don't practice evil, okay? So, God is light. What does light do? Light both exposes man's sins and condemns it. That's what light does. Darkness, on the other hand, hides that from you. Let me say this again. Light, the light of God, having fellowship with God, will expose your sins to you and will also condemn them. What what does this do for you? This causes a reaction within you, or at least it should, that you should ask for forgiveness because we're going to find out that if we ask for forgiveness, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? So it should cause a reaction within you that makes you ask for forgiveness and listen to this, and then not practice that anymore. That's the difference between light and darkness. Darkness, however, hides things. If you were going to hide something, you wouldn't want to put it in a real bright room, right? Where would you put it? Somewhere dark and kept away in secret, right? This is a look at man's heart. Because in the corridors of your heart are many places. Your heart is either exposed, every bit of it. You've given all of your heart to Jesus Christ and it's all fully exposed and the light of God, just like this room, lights your heart. And every bit of it is seen. Or there are hidden rooms that have no light and are dark and are evil. And you don't want God looking in there. And you don't want anybody looking in there. You've kind of hidden that on purpose because you want it protected. Perhaps. God on one hand wants to see you clearly. To see yourself. He wants you to see you clearly. To see yourself as you really are. That's what God wants to do with you. 
But in darkness, we can hide. And you see, that's what Adam and Eve tried to do is they tried to hide from God. But here's your, here's your little twist in that, as he already knows. So he says here, in verse 7, he says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When you walk in the light of God, and God, listen, we are all going to sin today. You will. Probably you already have. Maybe you already have in this, in this church service today. Maybe your mind has drifted somewhere and you've thought of something that you shouldn't have thought of. And maybe there is sin still on you. Maybe you've got something you've been hiding in your heart that's something that's really unforgiveness, we'll say. Maybe it's there. But if you walk in the light of God, what the light of God does to you is it reveals. So when John starts speaking of the light of God, what light does is it's a revealer. What God is, is a revealer. He reveals things to you. Not only does he reveal your bad things, but he also reveals to you the good things. God is a positive reinforcer to the max. And when you do good, as a matter of fact, he says he'll look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest of the Lord. He will reward you openly, the scripture says. So God is positive. He wants to positively reinforce you, but he also wants to show you what you need to get rid of. He's a revealer. He'll reveal to you things once you get your heart and life right. Once you start walking in the light. The Bible says He will show you great and mighty things that you know not. He'll start revealing to you future things. He'll start revealing. He'll start talking to you in a way that will, that will just amaze you. He'll show you things. He'll reveal things to you in your life. He'll show you what to do, when to do it. He'll give you a straight up answer. Your relationship with Him, you'll have fellowship just like John. Just like He said you would. You would have that kind of fellowship. He says this, If we say that we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Notice that he says, Satan didn't deceive you. You deceived yourself. Self-deception is running rampant in people's heart and lives today. Spiritual self-deception. Listen, you can think and wish yourself to heaven all you want. But unless you get in line with this word, you ain't going. Unless you do what he says, you ain't going. I know you think you know, but you don't know. You've got to do what they say, not what you think. That's very difficult for us stubborn and strong-willed people, as they call them in counseling. Stubborn, strong-willed people have a very difficult time saying, 
One, I'm sorry. Two, please forgive me. And three, I'm wrong. Did you hear that? I'm sorry, please forgive me, and I'm wrong. Stubborn, strong-willed people have a hard time kneeling at the altar of God. But you have got to be different than that. He says this. You can be a self-deceiver. But he says, if we confess our sins, in order to confess your sins, you have to believe that you do have sins. Right? So in order for you to confess your sins, you have to first believe that you have sinned. And then you have to recognize what it was that you did. And then you have to ask God to forgive you so that you can continue to have fellowship and your joy may be full. And that you can walk in the light and not into the darkness. You have a natural tendency to love darkness. It is in our DNA, our spiritual DNA. The more people miss church, the worse they become. Because in church, when I'm preaching to you the word, God's exposing us to the light and revealing things to us in our soul. You don't have to tell me what God's doing in you. And I don't have to tell you what God's doing in me when it comes to the revealing part. But He's working. But the more you stay away from the fellowship of the believers, and the more you stay away from the light, the more evil your deeds become. And the more susceptible you become to evil. Trust me. I have been doing this for 30 years. And the one thing that I can tell you that I have noticed in 30 years of doing this is you start missing, you'll start missing more. And it'll become easier and easier and easier and easier and easier and easier until one day you have no fellowship at all with God. You've stopped reading your Bible. You've stopped praying. You've stopped studying. You've stopped doing anything spiritual because you're all carnal again. You're in darkness. I have seen this, folks. I have witnessed this with my eyes. It is, it is discouraging to the max to me as a Christian pastor to see people falling away. I've often said this, and I'll say this again. To prove this fact, I, I've asked people, if I was as faithful as you are, would you want me fired? If I didn't come to preach just because somebody showed up at my house, guess what? Somebody shows up at my house on Sunday, they're freaking going to church or they're going to sit there alone. You hear me? I don't care who they are and I don't care how far they came from. How's that for you? I don't care if it's a college graduation. I don't care if it is going to... Listen, if, if, if I am supposed to preach the gospel, guess where I'll be standing? And it would be better for all those to come than to sit at home waiting. 
It's okay to miss church every now and again. But listen, this day is set aside for worship of God. And you need to be faithful to it. You need to be faithful to it in the days of the falling away. That's where we're at. You know, I would hate to stand before Jesus and be one of these people that stand there and say, you know what? This past Sunday, Pastor Jay preached a message that would have saved your soul. But you know what? You thought it was more important to go to that baseball game. Angels escort him to hell. How would that be? Do you know that will happen? Do you know that has happened? Do you know that? Or, or stand in heaven and say this. Jesus look at you and say, I touched your heart so that you would pray for so and so. Well, you got too busy for that. I wanted you to reach out in faith and be an example to other believers. And your faith, I was asking for, would have saved this person or made a change in this person's life or healed this person. And they called and they asked you to pray for them and you did not. And do you know that if I, I was waiting to hear from you because faith touches me and I move by faith and I was looking for someone to stand in the gap for so-and-so and you would not because you're... You were too involved in darkness. What would we say to that? How would we say, what, what would you say to that? So John goes on, and I'll, I'll stop here in just a second, and everybody can give me a round of applause for that. Thank you, you're welcome. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if in your heart you've been saying, as I've been preaching, listen, I don't sin. This ain't right. This, this pastor's off today. Well, I can tell you by the authority of God's word. From a first-hand witness who heard Jesus and saw him and touched him. That yes, you have. And I have. And I believe that. And I know that. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. But listen, we have an advocate. He says in chapter 2, and I'm just going to read this to you, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole wide world. Stand with me.